Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Rob Gilbert. He's the founder of Growth Habit. He helps purpose-driven coaches create consistent inbound inquiries from dream clients so you make money while making a difference. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Amy. So can you share your journey with us and how you created Growth Habit? So my path is a little unorthodox. I am in my mid-40s now, started my first business as a teenager instead of going to college or university. And I pursued music adventures. My first career, I was a DJ, music producer, ran record labels, did marketing of physical products, of actual records and and CDs and cassettes. And then career two, when life responsibilities hit me and started having children, et cetera, the inconsistency of that life and some of the challenges I ran into personally, I got into a pretty dark place, actually, but being open, I got into a really dark and depressive kind of place. And I had to make some total changes of who I was, walked away from music. And I got career number two was people and culture leader in tech companies, aka really HR, but done with a more intentional lens. How do you make sure that people are happy and supported and are learning at work? And my favorite, favorite part of that was the coaching I did, was the coaching of the CEOs, was the developing new leaders, was helping people learn and grow. And it was good. You know, I made good money and by external metrics, it was like, you know, I'd made it. I had a six-figure salary. I was doing working for a company that had some kind of purpose, and but something was missing. I had this gnawing feeling that something was missing. And I left the security and comfort of that to launch Growth Habit, where I'm bringing together all the things that I love doing, which is helping people you know, find more joy, more excitement, more creativity, et cetera, in their life, and, but also helping people grow their businesses. I've always been fascinated by what makes a business grow, regardless of the certain market conditions and what makes people more content, joyful, impactful, et cetera. So that's what I'm doing now with Growth Habit. And walking through your journey, what are you grateful for? It's going to sound cheesy, but the most difficult things. Like I mentioned a little earlier that, you know, I hit a depression patch. I was really upset. I didn't like who I was. I drank too much. I was miserable. I was really, really miserable and really, really, really close to taking my own life, like scarily close. I'm grateful for that now, and which is crazy to say. Uh, divorce, like my divorce, super difficult at the time, hard to go through, really soul searching, super grateful for that now because now I'm in the most loving, supportive relationship ever. And I had to learn some of those things because of that. So, and the changing of careers, the rebellious in person in me that always wanted to try and figure out a different way to do things um, is helpful because I see lots of people now being forced, being laid off, being forced to change or struggling to figure out how to be an entrepreneur. But I've always had to kind of find a way to adapt. So the difficulties, I think for sure, and if I'm, if I'm going with a long-winded answer, it goes further back. My dad was in the military, moved around a whole bunch, didn't have a choice. Every couple of years, it was either some of my friends were moving and I had to deal with that, or maybe we were moving and then we were moving. I was you know, saying a teary-eyed goodbye to all of my friends. So I was forced to learn at a young age how to be more adaptable and navigate things. Let's talk a little bit about scarcity mindset. What are the top struggles that people are facing around this? And where do you think it comes from? Ooh, well, that's a really good way because I think one of the things where it comes from and one of the things people struggle with 
they're one and the same is the belief that there is a finite amount of things, that there's a limited amount of resources of people, of time, of clients, but it's infinite. Like <laughs> we are talking monkeys on a rock flying through space and in a galaxy and like a universe, like that's continuing to expand. Like it is forever expanding. So everything is expansive. So if you see it as, oh, Amy got that client, that means that I didn't get that client. Or if like, you know, Rob is doing well, that means that I'm, I'm doing, like if you get into a limited belief from that point of view, then it will really reinforce scarcity mindset. I think that's the biggest issue. And I think it answers kind of both of the ways you framed it. And the other piece is people getting too caught up and emotionally tied to and drawing meaning from their current circumstances. So like what's going on right now, the amount of money in my bank account right now, the kind of clients I'm servicing right now, whatever like the current thing is versus what is possible, where you can go. And the easiest way to get around that is if you think back to how far you've come and what you've gone through and the things that have helped you become more resilient and where you were versus five years ago, 10 years ago, however long you have to kind of go back and get some, some reference points, it's amazing what you've come through. It's amazing what you've grown through. It's amazing how much you've changed and evolved. And if you've been able to do that, well, then what's possible? I was thinking about it today. I was chatting with someone who was struggling to ask for what they're worth. And we're talking through it and they're talking about, you know, their parents growing up and always having more of a, a cheap approach to the way they bought things and that they would always look for the deal on everything. And it had to be the cheapest, cheapest thing. And that's just reinforced. So they struggle asking for what they believe they, they might be worth. Like if they can't even confidently say that they are worth it, it's like they, that they might be worth. And yeah, that's, that's rooted in those, those limited beliefs as far as the, the value of what something's worth. And it made me think of the first time I asked for money for coaching, I almost puked. And I was afraid to ask to get, and until I paid someone for coaching, I struggled to believe someone was willing to pay me. And until I had paid someone $5,000 for coaching and mentorship, I didn't believe that no one would ever want to pay me that. And until I paid someone $10,000 to help me up level and learn some skills and grow, there was no way that I could with a straight face, look at someone and say, they need to give me $10,000, et cetera. And those two things are really are connected as far as, you know, looking at the current circumstances and thinking it can't change. It can't grow. Six months ago, I increased rates and I quoted someone a new price point. They said yes. And it scared me. And then I remember for the first like three, four weeks of working with this person, I kept waiting that I was going to get an email from them telling them, you know what, I've changed my mind. Or I was waiting to get on a call and they're going to say, yeah, this is not working out. This is not what I thought it was like my imposter syndrome showed up. And I think people sometimes think that you can get rid of imposter syndrome altogether, but it's anytime you, you push your edges or anytime you encounter a wall and you kind of step beyond it, it will continue showing up. Uh, yeah. And I, so it still shows up for me every time that I, I push myself to a new place. How do you help people conquer the challenges of scarcity? Someone hired me recently because they want to create a podcast. They want to learn how to market their podcast. And I was like, okay, I haven't really helped people market a podcast before. But if I look, if your goal is to use social media to market a podcast, I absolutely know how to do that. I can help you decipher that, et cetera. But the reality is we spent the first however many sessions together working through them, you know, doing an audit of their self-worth, changing, getting it, realizing what some of those limiting thoughts were, shifting some of those limiting thoughts, like the the inner work really is a huge part of any kind of upskilling because 
you can learn new marketing tactics. You can learn, you get clarity on who your niche is. You can learn how to run ads on a different platform or how to optimize your content for LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever. I'm just, it doesn't, but if you don't think you are worthy of it, if you don't think you're deserving of it, if you have always struggled to receive because people haven't been there for you, if there's those things aren't sorted, then it's, you're not going to get through it. So, you know, as cheesy as it is, and I, I avoid the word mindset because it almost loses its meaning, but it, it comes down to that kind of stuff. So there's exercises I do with people. Uh, hypnotherapy is another tool that I love to use because it's really powerful because it gets below the surface of the day-to-day BS that we tell ourselves and gets to the more deep-rooted belief. Uh, because once you then, you know, believe you're worth it, own your worth, and then it allows you to see things differently and to, to step beyond it versus, yeah, here's the mark, new marketing strategy, or here's the thing. You won't be able to execute on it if it's, that's not taken care of. Yeah. And I, and yeah, that clear, all the clarity and all, you know, I kind of were talking about that prior to the podcast of how it's so easy to go down a million rabbit trails. And the, sometimes the more, you know, uh, the worse off you are in that regard, because you're building all these things. The mindset thing, I think was, I've always been a passionate about mindset and all of that and growth and psychology and everything, but it wasn't until I was an entrepreneur. And as you know, being an entrepreneur is not like setting yourself on fire and every single survival thing you ever dealt with in your life comes up, right? It gets all stirred up. So I think that's really powerful that, that you're working with people on that, because I really didn't realize how much that affected your business until I was actually in it. I love that you said that, because I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize about being an entrepreneur. They see, you know, that you have to do so many different things and that, you know, you're overseeing operations and delivery and marketing and sales and, and, and the joke about all the many hats. But when you don't have someone who's telling you this is what you need to do and this is when it's due, if you don't have someone guaranteeing you your payroll deposit twice a month, you don't have someone else who's calling the shots and it's just you and the person you look at in the mirror, then yeah, it does bring up all that other stuff. And either you can do an audit of it, face it, and then realize deep down you're still chasing the approval of your father or whatever it may be. Like that was a definitely a thing for me and I, I you encounter a lot. Uh, then it's going to show up for you and it's going to show up in some really difficult ways. And it's funny hearing you say down all the different rabbit holes. And then it's like, Oh no, the more, you know, the worse it gets because yeah, then it's just, that's just more stuff here. Like it's just, it's head noise, total, total head noise versus the clarity and the simplicity and the focus. Let's talk about marketing and how do you help coaches and consultants with marketing strategy and driving sales on social media? So the number one thing, the first thing is to get deep, absolute knowledge of who the heck it is you're serving. And I don't just mean an avatar and talk about demographics. Certain demographics are important, but really truly know who they are, how they think, how they view the world, what their values are. Because once you have that sorted, then everything else in the business gets easier. If you know exactly who you're speaking to and how they view the world, making content is much easier. You know, creating your landing page, creating an offer that's going to feel irresistible to them, how you interact with them on sales calls, how like just the whole enrollment process, then how you deliver. How do you ensure you're delivering something to them that feels valuable and is actually solving the problems? All of that is really easier once you have that dialed in and it's so important because look, you probably don't care if someone's 25 or 45, if you feel a connection to them, if you feel that you can truly help them, if you have values that are aligned, 
But if you don't know if efficiency is more important to them or creativity is more important to them, you're kind of screwed because those are quite polar opposites. And it's one of my favorite kind of examples because the person who really values efficiency wants things a certain way, expects things a certain way, wants delivery a certain way, wants words used a certain way. Whereas the person who really values creativity, what they expect or want or what they're going to connect to with your content, with your landing page, with your programs, with your offers is so different. And really the goal is you don't want someone to feel seen and heard. You want someone to see your message. And I use that loosely, whether that's the things you talk about on your podcast or the things on your website or the description of your program or your content on TikTok, et cetera. You want them to make them feel insert, feel seen and heard. And people try and ram down like, my program, my offer, our deal, we're great at this, me, me, me. And I jokingly call them emails. We get these messages, these inbox messages, and they're just barfing all this stuff about themselves. Yeah, and it's right? like, well, wait a minute. People will struggle to understand what it is you're talking about until they feel understood. Yeah. And the way to make them feel understood, you really, truly, deeply have to know them. So that's the starting point with everyone that I work at. And it's funny, people show up like, yeah, I think I know my clients. I think I know niche. And then we end up going three, four, five layers deeper. And they, the, they're like, wow. And it's incredible because that shift makes you magnetic to the people that you want to serve. And then from there, it's, it, that's a huge piece. And the other part is just being your damn self, just being yourself really, really being yourself and not like, oh, I should do this. And this other person in my industry is doing that. And I think if I bet, then like, are you putting on a facade? Are you pretending to be a character? And if you are, isn't that exhausting? (laughs) And then if you are, are you going to keep up that character and keep pretending to be that person in all of your conversations, in all of your videos? And like, I'm tired. I, I feel tired just explaining that. So instead of trying to pretend to be something, Oh, sorry. This is a really ranty one. The last thing on this is the no like, and trust thing. We hear it a whole lot. Marketers love saying it. People need to know, like, and trust you. Know, like, and trust you. I think there's some truth in that. Of course, people need to know who you are, like who you are, and trust that you can help them. However, it is backwards because the focus is so external and it's focused on external approval and external connection versus it really needs to start with, do you know, like, and trust yourself? Do you truly know who you are? Do you know what you appreciate? Do you know if push came to shove, what is really important to you? Truly, what are your values? What are the most important things to you? What are your personal principles? Do you like who you are? Can you look in the mirror and say, I like who this person is, regardless of whether you weigh 20 pounds more than you wish you did, or that your hair is all falling out like me or whatever, whatever, whatever. Do you truly (laughs) like this person? Can you say that? And I would say even love, and I don't mean in like an egotistical way, but just like truly love and accept who you are. And then the trust yourself. If you say you are going to do something, do you keep your word to yourself? Can you look in the mirror again and see that you trust that person you see? Because you need to dial those three things in with yourself if there's ever any hope of you creating no like and trust with yourself. I think the other thing that's worth connecting to this, you knowing who you are and knowing what you're about and being clear on your journey, your learning, your story, And then we're talking a bit about niching, that it means you might be starting really small. You might be helping people solve like a very specific thing. Why? Because that has been your experience, because you have knowledge in the area, because you have actually done that, because you've maybe helped other people do that versus finding someone else, seeing what they're doing, be like, oh, I think I can do that. And then copying all of their stuff 
but then you're lacking the context from having helped other people achieve that result. And again, it's not aligned to who you actually are because you're just copying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they're going to deliver that on a completely different thing. There's a, there's a coach out there that she specializes in, well, she, for a long time, she specialized in course creation and I had taken some of her courses. She's a marketer. She was so extremely detailed, like step one, two, B, two, C, two, like she was like extremely detailed, completely different personality type than myself, completely would serve completely different types of clients than myself because of our personality types were just completely different. And now she's off to like um, having people hire VAs or whatever, but that's a perfect example of she was following what she knew to build her own business. And yep. that was the path that she took. She started with workshops and she went to courses, you know, then she got virtual assistants. And so she was just selling what she did to build her business. If you kind of follow that, like, I think it's different for everybody. So that's a great example. It's a really great example that you've seen someone actually unfold it in their own life versus yeah, yeah just the copycat approach. That's a great example. Yeah. So let's talk about the misconception. I love this topic of tons of followers equaling success. And there's so many marketers even out there now that still think that if you have millions of followers, you're going to succeed. So when did you realize this to be true? And what are your thoughts on it? So I have a couple. One is just personally, when I quit my highly comfortable and secure six-figure job and went all in with what I'm doing now, I had... 1800 connections on LinkedIn. And I built the bulk of my clients, a lot of my relationships, a lot of my business through LinkedIn. And my launch went so well that I had to quit my job a month earlier than planned because I was so clear on who I was serving. And I wasn't meek about it. I really owned it. I was like, I'm doing this, I'm switching this. And I knew exactly who I was speaking to. And then I had people who had way more connections and followers than me coming to me asking like, hey, how the heck did you do that? And since then, I have worked with people who have 90,000 followers, 50,000 followers, like crazy numbers bigger than I have and see the back end of their business. And the reality is they don't really have a business. They have the metrics, they have the vanity metrics, but they aren't deeply connecting with anyone. They don't have an offering that really aligns to those people. And yeah, you can chase the likes, you can chase the followers. Um, And I guess knowing that that can be fabricated versus... The metrics that do matter is the amount of people that are reaching out to you, the amount of people that say yes when an offer is made. Those There's different kinds of metrics, I think, that are way more important. So there was a, I want to say it was a Forbes article I read last year. It was really interesting to me. I almost said funny, but I guess that would be me laughing at the person. It was interesting because it was talking about this influencer on Instagram who had some crazy amount of 200, 250,000. I don't know. Like it was not millions, but a lot of followers, plenty of followers. And they launched a merch line and it flopped. And then they were complaining that no one was buying their stuff. But then looking at all their content beforehand, it was like, hey, here's my meal. Hey, I'm at the beach. Hey. So it's like, yeah, these people like watching your lifestyle and seeing you in a bathing suit. That's not all of a sudden going to translate to these people are going to whip out their credit cards and buy something. So it's about what metrics are important. And once you get to see the back end of different businesses, you realize like, oh yeah, this doesn't automatically translate. Those vanity metrics does not automatically translate to people willing to, to buy from you. 
Yeah. I know so many people. First, I met a lot of people on YouTube that had millions of subscribers that weren't making, didn't have a business for that reason. Some of them grew their, uh, their YouTube channels outside the U S um, still people still real, but they grew them outside the U S and then they didn't get the revenue off of their ads because they, the ads weren't relevant to them. So even though they had this big channel, it did nothing for them. And that was like one of the biggest mistakes they had said that they made. And then I also met people with one guy, one client, I had 2.5 million subscribers on YouTube launches a course and only sells 40. And that's a perfect example of, it takes a lot more. And he had never sold to his email list. Mm -hmm. So of course, if you have an email list and you've never sold to them, you know, you're going to have to start selling and, and a lot of people unsubscribe before they'll actually start to buy from you. So there's that. And then, and then of course you see people going, you know, going viral for dancing on TikTok or thirst traps or any of that kind of stuff, or just being positive, sweet, and kind which is fine. You may have millions of people following you, but it's really difficult to create something from that. And you see them going into network marketing because they don't know what to sell. And then they have these network marketing meetings on their, on their social media. And it's ridiculous. But there's one thing that I noticed as well that I wanted to mention was there's a book out there that's called 1 million followers in 30 days. And it's how most of them do, do their social media. A lot of the I would say 90% of the really popular people say on Instagram and Facebook is they do, they run ads, but it's all to third world countries because it's cheaper, real people, real engagement, but they don't have money, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to buy. You start to look at some of these influencers at their data, like on Facebook, because Facebook, it's public data. You just type in a country and it'll say, oh, Gary Vaynerchuk's got 3 million people following him in Haiti. You know, like- true stat. And, you know, it starts, you start to realize the reality that it's smoke and mirrors. Can you share some of your programs and how people can work with you? I think before we started rolling, I was joking a little bit about me being all over the place. And I've since kind of narrowed down, I have one flagship program, growth, growth habit methodology. And Beyond putting people in small group cohorts of four or five people, I do work with a select amount of people one-on-one, and then it is more of a very custom-tailored approach to them and their needs. But there's like three main buckets to it, and it's going to tie well into everything that we've been talking about so far. And the the first one really is about believing you're worth it, owning your value, getting a rock-solid sense of self-worth, self-belief. That is the foundational piece to everything. The next piece is what I call like the business basics, getting really clear on who the heck your dream clients are, understanding what it is that they, how they see the world, what it is that they want and getting an offer that feels irresistible to them. And then the last piece is what I call amplification as far as how can you get the word out in a way that feels authentic to you? How do you get the word out in a way that feels genuine to you? How do you do sales in a way that, you know, really does align with your values instead of being the old sales tropes that we've seen, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the three main buckets I work people through. And it's funny, you asked me earlier how I help people. And I think something I didn't mention that's worth saying is I find myself playing the role of a bit of a translator because I work with these people who are, you know, purpose-driven, heart-led. They really, they are a coach because they want to make a difference in the world. They are really doing it for the love of helping other people. They've been through some crazy experiences, maybe some personal trauma, and they've come out on the other end of it. And now they're looking to extend their arm and to help other people who aren't as far down the trail as they are. Those people 
don't always have the best association with the ideal of marketing, with the idea of sales or think like that that's icky or that's gross. And I find myself playing this really fun role of translator as far as helping them understand it, interpret it in a way that they haven't before and look at it differently. When, that, when it comes to that amplification piece I spoke about, that's what a lot of that is. I love that. So can you share some of your success stories with us? There's three that come to mind that I think are fun and kind of worth sharing. One is an entrepreneur and she's only 25 and she has founded a tech company that's gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars in funding, maybe five or $600,000 in funding. And she's creating a company that is changing the future of work and the way that people approach and learn the skills of the future. So she really is, she's like a student coach for the way that they learn when it comes around digital marketing and being ready for leadership in the, in the future, which is fun. Another client who left a toxic job where he despised and founded a company where he's doing coaching in the world of data analytics, which is fascinating. But what's different about him is he set up his company to really be service-driven as far as giving back. And it's called Data Gives Back, actually. His name's Joe. He's worthy of a full shout out. 25% of his revenue, not his profit, of his revenue goes to a center for grieving children who have lost a parent to suicide, which is crazy. That And in his, this year, he's given 40 $40,000 to that center, which is wild. Cause when he and I first spoke a couple of years ago, he was like telling me about a 10 year plan. Like maybe in 10 years he could do this. And I was like, why is it happy 10 years? So he's done it in much, much shorter time. And also there's another, there's a sales coach that I've worked with now who gave me an update a couple months ago that, you know, it was actually it was in the summer and they were on track for, they'd made $500,000 already this year. And they were definitely on pace that they're going to bring in a million and it's not just the money, but it was the way that they were then using it. And they have been hiring close friends and family because they want these people to be part of their success and part of the winning with them, which is super fun. What do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? My willing to reinvent myself, my willing to cast away past identities. And talked a little bit earlier about me changing careers a couple times and some of the different difficult things I've been through, me being willing and able to cast away. You know, I, when I did the music thing, that was my total life. That's where I met my wife. She used to be a DJ as well. That's where I made all my friends. That's where I made all my money. Since high school, I was known as someone who made music and DJed and run record labels. That was such an identity. And I had to walk away from that. And I created this whole other identity within the world of tech companies and being this people leader and being a, you know, a coach and trainer and overseeing people and culture, et cetera. I was part of a community and I was being rewarded for it. And I had to walk away from that identity. And there's lots of other smaller stories. The thing that I often say is if you realize that this, all these beliefs you have about yourself, this, this is an avatar you've constructed. It's like, I am this, I am that, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. It's all made up. And it is a collection of things that parents said to you, teachers said to you, people in your church, friends, et cetera, et cetera. And then you start believing these things. So you start searching out for situations that reinforce and show that it is true because you definitely don't want to be crazy. So you're reinforcing that belief. And then you end up constructing this whole thing, but realizing that that's a facade. And then once you realize it is fabricated, then you are then putting the pen in your hand to be able to rewrite what that can be. 
It takes so much energy to try to consistently be somebody that you're not. Mm -hmm. If you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? I think the one piece of advice I give to younger me would be start sooner. I think with this, and I think I got stuck before I made this last leap where I was like, oh, there's a mortgage, there's two kids, there's life responsibilities. I've been through trials and tribulations before. Do I really want to rock the boat? And the sooner you start, the more reps you can get in, the more experience you can get. And you can sit around and pontificate and try and think about like how you're going to make things all perfect and wait till the circumstances are perfect and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is normally if you do that, it means you don't end up getting started. And the best thing you can do is to get started is to make an attempt, learn from that attempt, iterate, take another attempt. And that's where the true learning is. You can learn from books. You can learn from other people. Learning from other people is a great way to make a shortcut and make a leap to not personally have to make kind of all the mistakes, but then you still have to apply it because it's one thing for you to be like, okay, I'm really trying to figure out Facebook ads. Now I'm going to go hire Amy to help me figure this out. And I'm going to take the leap. But if you just hire Amy to help you figure all that out, but then you don't apply the damn thing that she taught you, then there's no point. So living experience, taking attempts, starting sooner. That's what I would say to myself. Start sooner, start now. I love that. So Rob, if there are people listening that would love to check out your services and get in contact with you, what's the best way to reach you? Best way to reach me. I am most active on LinkedIn and maybe on Instagram. So knowing how to spell my name is super helpful. So R-O-B-B-G-I-L-B-E-A-R. You can also go to my website and see all the stuff that you'd expect to find in a website, uh, including if you are curious about maybe working with me one-on-one, the application. I also have some free training there. I've been posting and sharing some videos there. It's not gated. You don't need to give me your email address. Like there's a page where I just like I'm sharing free stuff. And that's growthhabit.org. Perfect. I'll put all those links down below. Rob, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your expertise. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much, Amy. Yeah. So, And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.